Hi, I'm Helis Kendrick. And I'm Chris Keane. And this is Series 2 of the Recruit for Spouses podcast. Now today we'll be talking to Jules and Pip from Edge NLP, an incredible duo who's helped the team here at RFS with lots of presentation skills, how to present ourselves. You'll surely learn some amazing tips from this podcast today. So firstly, what is NLP? NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, which in itself is a complete mouthful, but in essence what it refers to is the science of language and behaviour. It's how you make sense of the outside world, what meaning you give it based on your internal dialogue, your memories, your thoughts, your values, your experiences, and then how you act upon that in the outside world, almost like how you show up on a day-by-day perspective. And we work with individuals and businesses alike to help them really look at how they can enhance the information they take on board, how they can shift and change the way the internal dialogue and how they process that information. So they have the opportunity to show up in the best way that they can. Now, I'm a big fan of yours. And the reason I asked you to come on this podcast today was because I've worked with you guys, with Jules in particular. I was very nervous about presenting and speaking in public. And since working with Jules, I was able to do a presentation online. It completely changed the way that I thought when I was talking and slowed everything down. And actually, the people that will be listening to this will be military spouses and potentially going for an interview. So what can NLP do for them if they're going into an interview, they've got sweaty palms, they've got that imposter syndrome, what would you say to them? There's a number of things that you can focus on. And it's really interesting, Helen, that you said that now you're in a place where you're able to do big presentations without having that same mindset piece. And I think that's where it really begins. It's our internal conversation, if you like, that internal dialogue that we play through for ourselves. And a lot of the time, it just doesn't serve us. We have so much dialogue playing out. And a lot of the time, we're not conscious of it. But when we are conscious of it, we might realize that actually what we're saying to ourselves just doesn't help us. So it might be that we're saying, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous, or I'm never going to get the job, I can't do this. And all of those thought processes will have an impact on what actually is then going to happen from a physiological point of view. So as you just mentioned there, that sweaty palms and the pumping heart and the shortness of breath because we are creating those thoughts for ourselves and our thoughts become our reality. So whatever we focus on, we will see, we will look for evidence in. So I think the starting point is how we choose to talk to ourselves, if that makes sense, what our internal dialogue is and whether or not that's serving us or actually having a negative impact on how we're then able to show up. I think one of the big things that a lot of spouses say to us is I'm in that interview situation and I get asked that question of, so you've moved again and then they go into a panic. What would you say to them if they're feeling that sort of lack of confidence and added to that a little bit of panic? I think there's a couple of things with that. I think pick up on the point that Jules said, whatever we focus on becomes our reality. So if if someone is going in for an interview already with the preconceived idea that that question might be asked and gosh, how will I handle it? Then they're already going to be having, as Jules said, the heart palpitations and everything that's going there, which will weaken their ability to be as confident as they might want to be. 
So the other option is to turn the whole thing on its head and actually think about how they can reframe the fact that they're going to be potentially moving in another two years time or they only moved recently and actually look at what the positives are that that brings for an individual. You know, the versatility, the flexibility, how adaptable that they are as individuals and actually pull out the strengths that that's created for them in their behaviours. When you focus on those elements of it, your physicality will follow through as well. And before you know it, you're actually turning up and you're able to answer with confidence when someone might be challenging you on something such as that. And you can take these conversations into all of your life, can't you? Negotiating, whether it's buying a car or moving to a different military quarter. Those are kind of all sorts of skills that you could use. And so what are the top three things that you would then recommend to a military spouse who's possibly listening to this right now? First one I would say would be raising the awareness of self-awareness of the dialogue that they're saying to themselves and asking themselves, is it serving them? So if there's any negative connotation on the dialogue that they're saying to themselves at that moment in time, one of the exercises that Jules has often done with individuals, I remember you doing it with me, Jules, is you write down all those comments that you hear yourself say, you write them all down. And as you look at them, actually you find that you start to laugh. You recognize that you know the fact that they're slightly ridiculous in so many ways and they're not serving you and then you can rewrite them in the positive so that's the first thing really be aware of the internal dialogue i think the second thing would be is really to master the skill of reframing there's a lovely equation behavior plus situation equals outcome and if you don't like the outcome but you can't change the situation the only area of flexibility you have is in your behavior and that can be in how we reframe a situation to see it from a different perspective, to recognise the opportunities available there as opposed to the things that might restrain us or hold us back. And then the third one, and Jules, tell me whether you would agree with, with this, would be around breathing. Yeah, absolutely. Spot on. When we think about anything, and I often use the analogy of the foundations of a house is likened to your ability to control your breath. So when you think about the foundations of a house, they need to be strong, they need to be solid, they need to be able to take on board all the other layers, the bricks that are going to be built around them and above them. And your breath is exactly that foundation. So unless you are able to breathe deeply and be in control of your breath and when adrenaline starts pumping around our body, whether we label it excitement or fear, it has the same physical reaction, those sweaty palms, the heart palpitations, the shortness of breath. If we're able to recognize that we have the ability to control our breath just by taking that moment to stop and to breathe as simple as that we are then back in control of how we're going to use our voice how we're going to have those conversations how we're going to manage our internal dialogue so absolutely spot on with the breathing is very much up there as one of the top three things you can do to really help yourself in those situations Really good advice. And I do remember working with you, Jules, and you did talk about that list of all the things that come into your mind when you're talking or you're about to say. I remember doing a presentation at Facebook and just immediately at that sort of panic of what am I doing here? Why am I here? But you actually completely turned that around for me by saying, write it on the left. What are you thinking? Pip <laughs> quite rightly said you do laugh because you think, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I actually thought that about myself. And then write the opposite on the other side, it really does make an impact. So those three top tips are really useful. So you would suggest that spouses would do that if they're in a situation where they're thinking about 
an interview situation. Can you tell us a little bit more about the science behind, I know you briefly mentioned it before, but the whole science behind NLP? Yeah, certainly. So NLP isn't new. It's been around for a good 30 years. And two American individuals, Richard Bandler and John Grinder, kind of created the framework, which has now become NLP. And they wanted to study what created two different individuals, one performing to the height of their ability, to excellence, and someone else actually almost under-delivering from what they're capable of doing. And they studied a couple of individuals that kind of covered the whole linguistic spectrum so from ambiguity through to getting right down into the detail and what they've also then gone on to do is then study the brain waves so looking at the neurological pathways looking at how they light up and how the neurons light up when messaging is being passed through the body it's so incredibly true that whatever we are thinking we will pass that message through our body and it has a direct impact on our physicality and you're able to measure how different elements of the brain parts of the elements light up according to the sort of external stimulus that they're having and then track the responses that happen. So there's more and more science now supporting NLP to demonstrate that it, you know, it is really worthy of the time that we can give it for sure. That's fascinating. That's really interesting. And the people that you work with, what type of people do you work with? Oh gosh, who don't we work with, Helleth? We really do work with people from all walks of life. We work with individuals on one-to-one coaching sessions, individuals who want to expand their knowledge within NLP and come along and do one of our courses. We also work very much within the corporate sector. So we support a number of organizations. We work in the charity sector. We work across all industries, pharmaceutical, retail, it really isn't for you know one certain individual or organisation. It really is for anybody and everybody. I yeah. find from my perspective with regards to what I was trying to sell, I was, felt so emotionally attached to the business that I felt it really hard when I was standing in front of people to say, well, why won't you get behind this? Or, But what you made me do is really step out of that and be able to deliver what I needed to say whilst keeping them emotion, but without getting emotional about it. And I think, as you said, you can take it through to anything in life, can't you? And, and that's a very powerful thing because I never thought that I could ever get to that point of really being able to deliver something oh my gosh I just did that so if I can do it I think anybody can probably do it it's amazing how it works isn't it one of the key things with NLP is it's about the how what we're really interested in is how you think the steps the process you go through in order to do something the dialogue you might tell yourself at the beginning It's purely that, it's a dialogue. You can alter that dialogue to have a different set of steps that you go through to give you a different outcome. I'm glad you said, you know, there's still an element of the emotional part there because that's also very key that you're still true to yourself and you've got that passion, the vulnerability about whatever else it is that you're doing, but you're able to remove anything that might reframe anything that you might be saying to yourself that could then influence the beauty in which you would deliver something. Yeah, it's wonderful. And let's talk about imposter syndrome quickly, because I know we all suffer from it. I suffer from it terribly every day. In fact, we interviewed the first female fighter pilot a few weeks ago, and she talked quite openly about how she suffers very much from imposter syndrome. And she just got back from maternity leave and was on the front line flying a Harrier jet and still yet today feels that she has imposter syndrome. So what would you say to somebody who really struggles with that? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you're right, Helen. Imposter syndrome affects everybody. 
that may sound like a, a huge generalization. You've just given a fabulous demonstration right there. In NLP, we don't really talk about normal, but it's quite a normal reaction or a normal thought process to go through. But it's also being able to ask yourself, where's the evidence to prove to me that I shouldn't be here? Because nine times out of 10, you'll prove the opposite. So here's the evidence as to why I should be here or why I deserve to be here. So again, it's just using that tool of reframe, being able to really notice what that internal conversation, internal dialogue is that you're having that's just not serving you. And then being able to, as Pip said earlier on, be able to almost flip it on its head and choose to think something different. Now, the thinking something different is very much on a conscious level to start with. So if you have spent many, many years with a belief system that allows you to believe that I don't deserve this, you just deciding overnight to choose the words I do deserve this, it's going to take a little while to create that new habit and that new belief system where you truly believe that you do deserve it. There's quite a number of processes, if you like, that we use within NLP that we can really help people in what we would call that change work. So moving from a limited belief, which imposter syndrome sits within, to being able to free somebody, help somebody, guide somebody, encourage somebody out of that thought process that isn't serving them into a new belief system that can be just incredible to watch and, and so liberating for someone. And confidence as well. We talk about confidence in so many situations. A lot of the spouses that we work for, male and female, say they just lack confidence. We were talking to a, an engineer the other day who was stacking shelves in, in a supermarket because she believed that she didn't really have the confidence to go for the bigger jobs. Like such a waste of, of a skill. So how would you start to build that confidence if you felt that that confidence was kind of lacking after all those years of not working? I think building on one of the things that Jules mentioned there would be a good starting point. We're pre-programmed to look for the negative. So one of the first things that I would be encouraging someone to do, using the word that Jules used a moment ago about evidence, is to start to identify the evidence of where they have been confident. Because it's about re-engaging with that emotional response, with that belief. So starting to notice it could be in completely different contexts in their life, maybe as a parent, maybe as a partner, where they can start to recognise how they have felt confidence in other areas. So they can associate with that emotion. And then we can look at what is it around that situation that causes them to go to the lacking in confidence as opposed to the confident and then what can you do to reframe that and probably in small steps as you go around every situation is made up of numerous different elements and from a sensory perspective it'll be what we see what we hear what we feel what we smell what we taste and depending on who we are one of those elements will be stronger than others so it could be that we're working around changing the image that the person creates when they think about not being confident, the lady that you've just used as an example, you know, what is it that she sees? What does that look like? And what would it look like if she was feeling confident? And what did it look like when she was feeling confident? And then slowly but surely, you start to change the neurological pathways so that the detail is different for them. Then they need to see small steps. They need to see the evidence that supports that change. 
And there's almost that moment of going, oh gosh, I was confident at that moment. Congratulations, as you move on to the next. And before you know it, you've embedded it as a new neurological pathway. It's interesting what you said about changing your image, because as a military spouse, we move every one or two years, moving all the time. And lots of people see that as a disadvantage. I personally see it as an opportunity to almost reinvent yourself in the next location. So if you've had a bit of a rubbish time in the last place and you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, it can only be better from here. I'm going to be moving to, let's say, Colchester in a few months. And when I get there, I can be a better me. I can be more confident. I can reinvent myself. So you could almost look at it as an opportunity. Chris, you've got a point there. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at the context that you guys are kind of living in, you are moving on a frequent basis. You're not changing that. So actually, it's more about how can you change the way you think about it? So it could be a situation you go, do you know what? We're moving to, you said Colchester, didn't you? I thought you might pick somewhere around the world. We'll go with Colchester. We're moving to Colchester, sunny Colchester. And I want some of the experiences I've experienced where I am now, I'm going to leave them there. And I'm going to take the positive ones with me, then highlight the areas I want to work on. So you could almost use it as a bit of an anchor for change. I love that analogy, Pip, because it took me years. And it takes so many spouses when they leave. I think military spouses learn to do that as the years go on. But that's a really, really good golden nugget, actually, because moving every two years to a completely different location, we move all around the world. You've had a few more glamorous postings than me, Chris, but <laughs> I think it is really tough. And sometimes we only get four weeks notice and we have to take the children out of school and relocate them. The last thing on our list is a job. And I think that's a really, really good nugget. As you were saying that, the other thing I just wanted to add in that we all hear this term, fake it till you make it. Mm. And within the world of NLP, we really use the idea of fake it until you become it. So when you're moving to Colchester, you may not be feeling particularly confident, but you can do a lot from a physiological point of view, you know, standing tall, open body language. And it might be that those first few times of walking into a new community, you're not particularly confident, but that physiology allows it to almost move to your thought process. And that thought process will eventually, it's the becoming it rather than making it, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So that's one thing also just to think about, that we can create these new habits for ourselves. And faking it until we become it is just one of those. And confidence is a really good barometer if you like to look Mm -hmm. at how you can actually move that to suddenly you might look back and go oh my goodness I actually genuinely feel confident now in this particular context. And would you say with all that in mind that military spouses are therefore hardwired for these environments because we often find ourselves in a situation where we go to dinner nights we've just moved to a new area we have to throw in a ball gown and we have to go into our husband or wife's new surroundings I mean our husband or serving partner will know everybody in that room but we won't know anybody so we're standing there all dressed up and would you therefore say we're hardwired as military spouses to kind of have those natural sort of assets anyway of you know that self-confidence I suppose I would say 100%. It's easy to say that as an outsider looking into it. But I don't know whether it's hardwired, but you very quickly learn it because it's part and parcel of your job role, if you like. Your role as partner, that's part of what is required. So I think your level of resilience is incredible to be able to walk into those situations. 
and do what you need to do. So yeah, absolutely. I, it's an extraordinary skill set to have. And Chris, as a male spouse, what about you and confidence? And because men don't often talk about their lack of confidence or imposter syndrome. So have you ever felt like that? I actually think I'm less confident when I don't wear my ball gown. <laughs> to be honest I think I do get imposter syndrome not so much anymore obviously I do get it a little bit but definitely when I was working a lot in the radio industry I remember working on this one station where everybody on it were these massive names all these people that I'd grown up listening to and thinking one day I'll have a big show like them and then there was me on this lineup so that was massive imposter syndrome And then now, I suppose, yeah, a little bit being a military spouse, a male military spouse going to like the mums and tots groups or the wives Christmas party. I would probably choose not to go at all rather than get there, be a bit awkward, try and fit into the ladies chats and be the only man. So I suppose that's a little bit of imposter syndrome where you don't really fit in. You don't think you're meant to be there because it's full of women. One of the things that is paramount in the world of NLP is around the word choice. So NLP is about widening your awareness of opportunities available to you, no matter what the context might be. There's always other opportunities. There's always something else you could do Mm. or not do. But it's about recognizing what can happen when people feel kind of stuck in that sort of environment. They only see the reasons why they can't as opposed to recognizing that there are other choices or other decisions that they could make that would give them a different outcome. So it's absolutely right that you might choose to say, do you know what, I don't want to go because that might be the right choice for you. But as long as you're able to recognize that there are other choices and other things that you could do, other ways you could show up in that environment that would give you a different and potentially a better outcome. That's kind of where we come from in the world of NLP. It's almost about expansive thinking human nature generalization there we get very much stuck into the environment that we're in you guys are are moving every couple of years you know therefore there are certain boundaries that we work within but it's around being able to view that arena in an expansive way so you see more opportunities available to you and have greater choice do you think that covid has had a massive impact on our confidence as Heleth said you know we can't just go grab our ball gowns and go to a ball or a party we couldn't really meet people face to face so do you think that's had a real knock-on effect to our confidence yeah I do Chris I really do I think that's across the board and it's interesting because Pip and I have spoken about this at length around personality types so those extroverts who actually for them getting their energy from other people suddenly they're not in that situation where they can receive that energy from others because it's all via a computer screen and I said well you know the introverted individuals isn't that just joyous for them because they don't have to go out and Mm. do these things but it's not as simple as that is it because we're not just one or the other we're a mixture of all sorts of things but I do think people's confidence people's anxiety levels People's mental wellness has all been affected and it mustn't be underestimated. And it's something that we're already very aware of. The fragility, I guess, of some individuals is very, very apparent from this inability to be with other people, that connection. But the other side of that is that this strange environment that we found ourselves in that's had an impact on a lot of people's confidence 
we have seen some incredible ideas that people have created when they've been so resourceful mm. by looking at it in a slightly different way and thinking, so what can I do with this? I've got some good friends whose businesses have completely gone and others who've created the most extraordinary business all on the back of finding something that they could do within the constraints put upon us. And on the flip side as well, what we were saying earlier about our confidence being knocked, you know, when COVID wasn't here and we had a job interview, we would go face to face with, I don't know, a big scary woman or a big scary man asking us a load of questions, being nervous, sweaty palms, all of that, what you were saying earlier. But during COVID, job interviews have been done virtually. So, you know, put your suit on, don't have to have any trousers on, but you've got post-it notes, you can put post-it notes all around the computer screen, all up on the wall. So you've got that backup, you're in the comfort of your own home. So again, turning a negative into a positive, having COVID here and the way things are going now could almost be a confidence booster. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, and it's amazing now how the majority of our coaching clients, for example, we see virtually, whereas in the past people would said, no, I prefer to do it face to face because they've got that safety of their own environment. They're in their space. They're in their safety. So when it comes to being in a place where you're being interviewed virtually, just as you said there, you've got your post-it notes everywhere. You've got the things around you that you're familiar with. It's your environment. You can be in your PJ bottoms and your slippers if that's more comfortable. You know, you've got all of those things. So yeah, I definitely think there are so, so many positives we can take from this. What would you say to people who are worrying about the future or looking down the sort of, oh gosh, what's going to happen if, what ifs? What would you say to those people? So what ifs haven't occurred yet, have they? You can't influence that what if because it hasn't appeared yet. Focus on what you can, what falls within your sphere of influence, what you can do and the things that bring you joy, the things that bring you reward, things that bring you happiness. And this isn't, by the way, around, you know, we often say NLP isn't the panacea of everything. You're not going to suddenly own your Wonder Woman pants and Superman cape and life is always going to be a good one. This is about recognising that you have resources for dealing with difficult and challenging situations. But if we solely focus on the what ifs, we're going to create those what ifs. If we focus on the what now, we can create and really tap into the opportunities we have available to us without undermining the fact that, you know, there might well be a through line of worry because certain things are out of our control. So focusing on what is in our control can be very powerful. And just one final question from me, and you've pretty much answered this anyway, and also Heleth gave you a sparkling review, but do you ever hear back from the people that you've helped along the way? Do they get back in touch and say, look, what you've done for me was incredible. It's changed my life. Thank you so much. Do you ever hear back from the people that you've worked with? Yes. One of the things that blows my mind literally is watching and listening to the transition individuals go on when you almost allow them to have the opportunity to explore and to change in a really safe environment a couple of times at the beginning of the course i've talked about it being life-changing and we had a couple of people who've gone really that's such a big statement pip and at the end of the week they go oh my gosh i get it because whatever we're playing out can have such an impact in so many areas of our lives if you imagine being able to reframe that the impact, the positive impact it can have. We've had, you know, people setting up businesses, doing all sorts of things on the back of it. What might be perceived as a smaller thing, but actually what that's brought the individual has been massive. So yes, it's incredible, really. 
I think also from a leadership perspective, I was had to lead a company through COVID and we lost 95% of our work. And I think keeping that narrative of being that dialogue, as you said, about being positive and just switching it to what can I do? What is in my capabilities of what I can do? And that's what it made me do as well, even though we didn't really coach that. It changed the way that I thought about work. So if you are a leader or if you are a military spouse, how do we get in touch with you? What's the best way to find out about what you do? All of the usual social media platforms. We also have a website, which is edgenlp.co.uk. Nice and easy. Or if anybody wants to just drop us an email, they can. And that's nudge at edgenlp.co.uk. And you've been doing some work with us in our Career Academy looking like we're doing more and more with you as we go on. So thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for coming on Recruit Spouses podcast today. It was really lovely to talk to you and for your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you.